tonight. Commentator Jeremy Hamley, also known as The Quartering, joins us to discuss social justice and political correctness when it comes to our media. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Hi, Jeremy. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, so, uh, you know, looking through the videos that you do and watching them, I see that you, you're you interested in media, you know, video games, a series, and things like that, which I think is great, because we've done a few movie reviews uh, on this show, too. Love to bring my producer, Liam, to the theater. He complains a ton about how movies are just propaganda. We have a great time. <laughs> um, so something in the realm of entertainment that I think a lot of people who are keeping up with this whole political correctness thing have been talking about is Apu from The Simpsons. So he was recently, I mean, or at least it was announced, that they're going to be cutting him from the show based on him being a harmful stereotype. In your opinion, how much has Apu made you hate Indian people? Your thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's a number less than zero, I suppose if it was at zero before and it, when you multiply zero by anything, then it's, I guess, still zero. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, it's interesting that they choose to uh, target Apu as offensive when really every major character on that show is a stereotype. That's kind of why it works. And that's what I thought was so interesting about the criticism of the show, especially that character, is that, like you said, literally every single character is a stereotype. There's someone called Cletus the Slackjaw Yokel on, on that mm -hmm. show, right? We have Bumblebee Man, uh, the Italian, I guess, restaurant owner who says stuff like mamma mia which i've never heard an actual italian person say why do you think the character of apu specifically got so much heat because of a show full of stereotypes it seems like he's just like a drop in the bucket when it comes to being offensive yeah i think the um what really started out was some documentary that was uh, out maybe a year or two ago I, I if there was outrage before that i was unaware of it i right, same grew up i grew up in I, mean, I was a Simpsons kid. I grew up, I'm a 90s kid. So, you know, everybody on that show, Dr. Nick, I mean, everybody is wacky. It's a cartoon. They're supposed to be wacky. It, it, to me, it's it's absurd that anyone would legitimately be offended. What's there to be offended by a hardworking immigrant who comes to this country, support, starts a business, a successful business, supports his family? I mean, like he's one of the best stories on that show. And I mean, what I thought was, I guess, kind of ironic about this whole backlash is that, like you said, he's a great character in terms of, I guess, of a picture he would paint of immigrants. But in complaining about him, they've actually made the show less diverse. Like when you're so yeah. progressive that you lobby for removing POC characters, it's I mean, it, it's pretty great. But what I always wonder to myself is the people who complain about this sort of stuff, are are they the are they Simpsons fans? Because I know the, the gentleman who you mentioned who made the documentary that kind of started this as far as i'm aware i think he mentions being a fan of the simpsons i don't remember his name but it, that that always that seems kind of strange to me because if you're someone who allegedly likes the simpsons it kind of seems like all of their humor would be offensive to your little sensibilities if you're upset about a character with an indian accent yeah it's um it's interesting you see a lot of this in the in the other world where you see a lot of this is in the video game world right. where people you know, like, oh, I've always been a gamer, uh, but now, you know, everything's problematic. And it, it does create like this unfortunate stereotype of like the fake gamer or the fake fan where maybe regular fans are just kind of, 
in my world, we might call him like a normie fan or a casual fan. Like everybody who's between the age of 25 and 45 knows what The Simpsons is. And they might say, sure, I'm a fan of it. But I feel like people who want to critique these shows or video games or anything of pop culture, they use that as kind of this a shield. Like, oh, well, this is coming from a fan. I'm not one of those wacky people way out there with the blue hair. I'm just uh, I'm a fan just like you. Now, listen to what I have to say. And it's very transparent. And when when it comes to critiquing art, I firmly believe that, you know, you, you can critique art and that's fine. You know, I don't think the whole if you don't like it, don't consume it means you can't have legitimate criticisms of, of a work of either like art, cinema, gaming, whatever. But I mean, this is the example that I'll use. I hate anime. I really don't like anime. I, I you know I don't like the art style. I think the storylines are different versus you know the Eurocentric stuff that I'm, I'm used to. I don't like anime. So with that in mind, for me to you know just start crapping on essentially anime as a genre kind of doesn't make sense because at the end of the day, there's just nothing in it for me. I'm so removed from the target demographic that it's just like yeah, I just I just don't like this thing. For me to critique, it would be just to say make regular cartoons um and mm -hmm. i kind of feel like you mentioned video games when i look at the people who are criticizing video games i kind of feel the same way about it you know there's nothing wrong with pointing out problems in a game uh you know criticizing certain storylines whatever i think real fans should want um i guess to for, for their series to do the best to be the best that they can be but i mean if people haven't been keeping up video games are one of those areas where there's been a lot of I guess, fire and criticism from people who are saying this isn't diverse enough, this isn't politically correct enough, this isn't representative enough. And to to those people, I, I kind of wonder, like, do you do you like this at all? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. It just kind of seems like maybe they're they're trying to fit their values into a medium that's not really necessarily intended for them that isn't meant to be a, a piece of feminist propaganda. Is that wrong or is that kind of how the, the gamers feel? Well, I mean, I can only technically speak for myself, but I think that I, I think that in my experience that I mean, there are there are, I mean, there are a hundred thousand choices in the video game market, and that's just not even the triple A most popular game. You, you have retro gaming. I have, you know, the original Nintendo is one of my all time favorite consoles and games. I mean, there is an unlimited number of choices in the video game world, including tens of thousands of games in the Japanese market and and all these other world markets. So the idea that anybody who's playing any game under protest is total absurdity. So then when somebody writes an article that says like, boy, this is really problematic of this video game. Um, OK, th then just like don't play it. You know, what I mean, nobody's forcing you to play it. And is it really a legitimate concern? Is it coming from a place of um, are, are you arguing in good faith? And in my experience, most of them aren't. I think a lot of these people, these people, a lot of people who criticize video games media are just writers or or like they, they got an English degree or perhaps a gender studies degree. And they realize, well, there's only so many things I can do to get paid these days that, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s. OK, if you're a writer, you have a viable path. But really, a lot of the job market is in digital media is in video games so you kind of thrust a lot of these people who aren't uh true to are really true gamers and they're forced to report on something and they only have that one lens a lot of the if you go to the extreme a lot of the social justice type articles things like that they they only see the world through that lens they apply this 
problematic. I, you know, this idea that things can be problematic, probably to everything they do, ice cream flavors, (laughs) video games, movies, and these people, in my opinion, are deeply unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I think the latest example of, I guess, people loving to complain about things that we saw was from Red Dead Redemption 2, which if people don't know what it is, it's sequel to the first game, which is, I think it's by Rockstar. It's it's essentially like a Western game. You're a cowboy. It's kind of, you can interact with the world around you in a lot of different ways. What people are mad about now is in the second game, there was this uh, suffragette character who's an NPC. You, you can't play as her. She's just one of the background characters. And um, what people are upset about is that you can actually, uh, you know, slap her around a little bit. You can even maybe kill her just because it is mm-hmm. like a, a game where you can do anything. And I've seen articles now questioning uh, whether that choice just even being possible uh, is indicative of uh, women in our society. And people are making all these analyses of this specific character and the way she's treated in this game, regardless of the fact, you know, she's not real, right? She is coding, totally fictional. Um, Games like Grand Theft Auto have been around for a long time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. where, you know, prostitutes and everything, you can do whatever you want with them. Are these people looking too much into it, or do you think it is reasonable to ask, like, hey, uh, are people enacting these violent fantasies out on the suffragette? Is that, I guess, indicative of a deeper misogyny running through our culture? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more indicative of of a of meme culture than anything in the fact that, you know, <laughs> the idea of, you know, beating up a, a, a fictional f- feminist and then feeding her to an alligator is funny because, you know, you're going to get these articles, mm-hmm. right? Like it's um, it goes back to the whole the left can't meme. And and it's just like, oh, you know, I mean it's just hilarious the way that all these people are reacting. And then obviously the guy's channel gets flagged down and then it was reinstated late yesterday. As far as I know, there has been no scientific evidence linking, you know, fictional fantasy video game violence and actual real world violence. There's no cut, you know, there, there, there's no correlation between the two as far as I've ever seen. So, you know, you see a lot of the media that comes out and says like, well, this person played video games and then they did something horrible. Yeah. A hundred million people play video games. I mean, they also Hitler drank water, too. <laughs> Are we all going to do what he did? I mean, it's it's absurd. So it's almost you almost get tired of that same argument coming from uh, these uh, journalists, which are really activists. They only can really write about kind of one thing. And then they just apply that to whatever is is particularly popular. What they don't mention in these outrage articles about, oh yeah, you can beat up the suffragette and then you can hog tire and ha 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 ha. It's funny. The, uh, you know, there's actually a penalty in the game for that. You know, you, it's against, like if somebody witnesses it, you have a bounty on your head. It's not like the game encourages it. It just, you can also do the exact same thing to a man in the game. Uh, you can, you can, uh, also, you don't see these same articles, but that exact same YouTuber uh, produced a video where he located the KKK in a forest and killed them all. Mm-hmm. And like that's a popular video for him, too. I mean, it's just like the it's selective outrage. It's so transparent. And you wonder when you see these articles, like, who, who are they? Who are they even talking to? Like, who are they really video game? Like gamers don't care about this stuff. They either play the game or they don't. Right. And I, the, the, you know, the person that you're mentioning with the whole YouTube channel. So there was someone who, I guess, released a video on YouTube of them playing the game where they did, you know, like they, I guess, beat the suffragette up, uh, like hogtied her and, and everything like that. And 
what people mm. are mad about is not only did someone say, hey, this is inappropriate, flag it, and they get the video taken down, or a community guideline strike, which is what happens if you post something inappropriate on YouTube, their entire channel got deleted, which you, mm. you really don't see that a lot unless you've done something like egregious, right? I mean, even mm -hmm. I think Daddy of Five's channel didn't get deleted. Um, yeah. And when when I complain about stuff like this, um, PC culture, I, I often get a lot of people calling me a snowflake, toughen up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and what bothers me about that is that these people who seek to control media in a very authoritarian way, it's not like there's some fringe voices. Yeah, their opinions are fringe, but they actually have a lot of institutional power. I mean, I, I, if someone, there have been some pretty unflattering videos about me made, and trust me, like no one's channel got deleted uh, for making mm -hmm. those sorts of videos yeah. about me. So did, I guess, how do you think these, I mean, you know, these critics of media culture, of meme culture, these social justice authoritarians, how do they position themselves in this in this way where they actually are able to control things like whose YouTube channel gets taken down or stays up or even mm -hmm. with Twitter accounts, whose, chan whose account gets banned or not? Because it seems like it's disproportionate. Well, I think that uh, from a... In my years observing these folks in the wild, <laughs> uh, I've I've kind of come up with a few uh, theories on why they're so so powerful. But the one thing I think that they are very good at doing is organizing. Mm. Um, and you know, if you get maybe fifty or hundred people to mass flag a channel, that's enough to take it down. Uh, and if you do it in a coordinated manner and over a short period of time, YouTube will just react. Um, and the same goes for Twitter, for example. You know, f it takes 50 to 100 people maybe to record report an account of medium size. Maybe they're not a gigantic YouTube or a Twitter profile or something. And you'll see people get banned. I mean, you saw, if I remember right, it was like last year sometime. Didn't a rogue Twitter employee delete Donald Trump's Twitter for like 30 seconds mm -hmm. last year? Um, I, I think, I think that happened. Um, and it's just like one person pressing the delete button because, Ooh, they're so orange man bad, but the, you know, it's organization and it's, it's, um, how do I say, uh, people who are free speech advocates or, uh, um, kind of indifferent don't see them as a threat because they're like, okay, they can have their opinion. And then before you know it, you know, they hire a friend and they hire a friend and they hire a friend. And now there's 30 people who all think the same working at one company. And now they have control. You saw this happen with Marvel Comics. You see this in, in the tabletop gaming world. You see, I mean, it only takes 10 people at a company, you know, of maybe 50 to really kind of swing things one way or the other. And, you know, they just kind of snuck in and now they have a lot of power and it's, it's slow going, uh, dislodging a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I want to just go back to what you said before a little bit about the whole idea that video games actually encourage real world violence, because that's something that, you know, I growing up, I heard a little bit about it in, you know, the early 2000s. Um, then it kind of dropped off a little bit. But now mm -hmm. with you know, there's been shootings and everything where the, you know, the young male has at some point played a video game, therefore. Oh. Right. And, uh, you know, it's kind of come back into the public discourse a little bit. And, you know, as someone who has essentially seen 
every single true crime documentary on serial killers out there who loves the horror genre. Um, the idea that we are defined by the type of media we consume, that's a bit strange to me, especially considering that although video games may be a pretty recent phenomenon, I mean, people have enjoyed crime novels, uh, you know, horror mm -hmm. and, and things like that. I mean, Frankenstein, the story of a, a doctor cutting up dead bodies and sewing them together. Um, that, you know, we've for a long time, essentially, for as long as entertainment has been around, been able to indulge in these fantastical worlds without actually living them out. Um, but, you know, if you listen to these these critics of video games, it's all about, uh, I guess, enforcing toxic masculinity. We hear that phrase so much, toxic masculinity. Um, it seems that they really, uh, at their core, hate what video games, I mean, I guess, embody in in people, whether I'm not sure if it's the aggression, if it's the competitiveness or, or what is it. But um, what do you think that the, the video game industry is showing these people that they hate so much? Because, I mean, just from, from an outsider, someone who's, you know, I've played, I think, pretty much all of the Call of Duties uh, with, with my brother at some point. I, I like Battlefield, but I mean, you know, I'm not in it, but it, it just it just seems like it's it's about fun. It's about, you know, having a good time, competition, engaging in a story. A am I missing something? Is it really about just hating women? <laughs> well, I think, uh, in my opinion, and, and maybe this is a bit of a lighthearted answer, but I do truly believe that People that, you know, criticize, for example, let's use the example of video games because that's what you asked about. Um, I think they are deeply unhappy people yeah. and that they don't like other people being happy. There's some degree that's probably doesn't define them completely. But uh, I oftentimes use that old analogy of crabs in a bucket where, you know, you see a bunch of crabs in a bucket and then somebody says, well, why isn't there a lid on the bucket? Well, it's because the crabs are always pulling the other ones down so the fishermen don't need to place a, a top on the bucket. And that's kind of like what that personality is like, in my opinion. You see a lot of these far left people and you just, I mean, look at their Twitter feed. They're angry all the time. They're mad about something all the time. And I think they envy people who can just kind of enjoy things. And they're joyless people who want to take the joy from others. In terms of what drives them politically, you know, I, I don't think you can overlook what happens at the university um, and and that path in the early indoctrination. I always say that word wrong: indoctrination, whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and um, and and that gets ingrained in people, and they want to just like any group they want to belong to that group and even if that group is outrage culture they're okay with that a lot of them are followers too and they're not exactly you know they say they're like and literal in real life npcs you know they all say the same thing orange man bad toxic masculinity i mean there was a uh, uh with the situation that went on in california yesterday there was an interview on good morning america today where the woman said uh and I, uh, I even tweeted it out because she said something like, oh, all these men kneel down around us and we're will and we're shielding us from bullets. And it's like, OK, I don't want to ever hear about toxic masculinity ever again. You know, I don't want to hear that. It's just a way to belittle people and a way to dismiss how you really feel by just saying, oh, well, you're just being toxic. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was Jeremy Boring who runs the Daily Wire. He tweeted out, um, it was in response to some some feminists on Twitter saying that, uh, you know, women, it's it's in our, ourselves to give and want to protect, but you know, men would never give as much for women as we give for them. And his response that the West has been so safe for so long that these people have actually forgotten, uh, you know, when it comes yeah. to wars or threats to our lives, like who, I mean, traditionally, historically has been the gender to, to fight against that just because, you know, they're the yeah. ones who are physically able. So, yeah, it's I mean... True. True. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really easy being here in the West and to talk about, you know, pe- people lack perspective, myself included sometimes. And it's always good to kind of remember that, like, you know, even with things that happened, for example, in California yesterday, we st- obviously I'm not OK with it, but we still live in the safest place in the safest time in history mm-hmm. uh, as as humans. So, you know, it, it the idea that zero bad things will ever happen is just not a reasonable goal i think for anyone to have in life mm-hmm. and it's it's frustrating to me seeing um i guess what groups are all right to demonize and what ones aren't right i mean if there's ever an attack by a white male or you know someone who's played a video game then we have to talk mm-hmm. about the institutional problems surrounding whiteness maleness and video games mm-hmm. but if it's something like islam or something then oh we have to you know individual like oh no we can't look at the the bigger picture so it's it's, it's interesting to me what these collectivists mm-hmm. uh choose to be collectivists about <laughs> yeah, right? yeah yeah it's so- frustrating right i mean as a toxic white male it's uh it's very uh frustrating to read articles that paint all men the same um but written, you know, written and edited by we're all special and different. Don't don't lump us together. And uh, it's a, it's bizarre that you could write something like that and lack complete self-awareness. But I make a living on YouTube laughing at people who do that. So I guess it's a wider, a bigger problem than I than I guess I would ever have thought. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us. If people want to keep up with your videos, with what you're doing, where can they go to find you? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at The Quartering for now. Otherwise, uh, uh, YouTube, just if you search up The Quartering, I'm there. I cover pop, kind of where politics and pop culture intersect. And I, I try to kind of be fair in, in both both sides of things. So, I don't know. I think I think people might enjoy it. All right. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.